The project's purpose is to really create more biovisibility. I did a program only two nights ago on Network 2 over here, and still you get that thing where the presenter's kind of nervously saying to me, so Brian, you know, you're out now, you're openly gay, and you can see the kind of nervousness still. But I wish I could find a handsome This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappelle. Uganda's Kill the Gays law sparks vigilante violence, how by the people audibly advanced by visibility, and Irish folky Brian Kennedy sang out and hangs in. All that and more this week because you found This Way Out. I'm Alan Tihamo. And I'm Elena Botkin-Levy. With Newswrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending September 30th, 2023. The worst fears about the Uganda's so-called Gildo Gays Law are being borne out. A report by a committee of the Convening for Equality Coalition points to anti-queer human rights abuses by private individuals rather than by the government as the main concern. Researchers from the group, also known as Chapter 4, were able to document more than 300 rights violations based on sexual orientation or gender identity from January 1st to August 31st this year. Those included torture, rape, eviction, and reporting perceived to be LGBTQ neighbors to the police. Only 25 violations were direct actions of the state. At least some of them involved anal examinations, a totally discredited practice mistakenly believed to prove that a man has engaged in gay sex. The report released on September 28 also notes that the research was far from exhaustive. Most LGBTQ people in the East African nation stay deeply closeted and don't report their abuse for obvious reasons. Chapter 4 claims that the law has also led to problematic mental health issues among LGBTQ Ugandans, including suicidal thoughts. Chapter 4's website describes the group as an independent, not-for-profit, non-partisan organization dedicated to the protection of civil liberties and promotion of human rights for all in Uganda. Their name refers to the Bill of Rights enumerated in Chapter 4 of Uganda's Constitution. The Anti-Homosexuality Act was enacted in May. It calls for the execution of offenders convicted of aggravated homosexuality. At least six people have been charged under the law to date, according to Reuters. Two of them face the death penalty. In one of those cases, it appears to have been consensual gay sex between a 20-something young man and an older disabled man. Popular Iraqi social media personality Noor BM was shot dead in Baghdad on September 25th. 23-year-old Noor Al-Safar's murder was reported by CNN, citing an Iraqi security source. His more than 370,000 followers on TikTok and Instagram loved his fashion and makeup review video shorts, which often included his joyful dancing. Al-Safar identified as male and faced an endless stream of online abuse. In a 2020 interview on Iraq's Alwala channel, he said that he was neither gay nor transgender, calling himself only a crossdresser and a model. 
Authorities claim that Al-Safar's brazen murder is being fully investigated. However, it comes as the government escalates its crackdown on LGBTQ people. Parliament is considering legislation to officially outlaw same-gender sex or its promotion and to ban gender-affirming health care. The Middle Eastern nation currently has no formal laws against same-gender sex. Colorado's far-right Republican Lauren Boebert threw two performative anti-LGBTQ measures into the chaotic cauldron that is the U.S. House of Representatives this week. In another of her offensively stupid and pointless political stunts, the Trump-loving Boebert displayed total disrespect for a high-ranking transgender Defense Department official on the House floor on September 27th. Mr. Chair, I rise today to offer my amendment that utilizes the Holman Rule to reduce the salary of Sean Kelly, Assistant Secretary of Defense for Readiness. That salary shall be reduced to $1. As the Assistant Secretary of Defense, Mr. Skelly is the Principal Advisor to the Secretary of Defense and the Undersecretary of Defense for personnel and readiness on all matters related to the readiness of our armed forces. As DOD's highest-ranking trans official, this delusional man thinking he is a woman embodies and espouses the wokeism that causes, that's causing significant harm to our military readiness and troop morale. Democrats uniformly oppose Boebert's amendment, many using skating language to condemn the Colorado representative's blatantly offensive anti-transgender language. Some reference her recent removal from a performance of Beetlejuice the Musical for vaping and mutually fondling her date, a club owner who reportedly hosts drag shows. Boebert's amendment was defeated by a vote of 268 to 161, even in the Republican-controlled House. Her party comrades did approve Boebert's other vindictive proposal, according to the Washington Blade. They passed her amendment to prevent the U.S. Department of Agriculture from using federal funds to support the agency's LGBTQ employees with educational and diversity materials. No anti-queer legislation would have a chance of passage in the Democratic-controlled Senate anyway. Republican rampaging against transgender youth continued during the second debate among the party's presidential hopefuls on September 27th. There's not really much hope for the seven on stage, since far-away front-running candidate Donald Trump refused to participate. Florida's floundering Governor Ron DeSantis defended his anti-queer policies. Businessman Vivek Ramaswamy specifically targeted transgender young people. I have to be very clear about this. Transgenderism, especially in kids, is a mental health disorder. We have to acknowledge the truth of that for what it is. And I'm sorry, it is not compassionate to affirm a kid's confusion. That is not compassion, that is cruelty. Former Vice President Mike Pence offered a concurring opinion. We're going to stand up for the rights of parents, and we're going to pass a federal ban on transgender chemical or surgical surgery anywhere in the country. We've got to protect our kids from this radical gender ideology agenda. President Joe Biden gave his fourth speech defending democracy itself the following day with comments that could have been a direct response. Frankly, these extremists have no idea what the hell they're talking about. A three-judge panel of the six U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has decided to let bans on pediatric gender-affirming health care take effect in Kentucky and Tennessee. 
challenges to each law's constitutionality are continuing in lower courts. The vote was 2 to 1. Each measure would prohibit medical providers from creating treatment plans with transgender minor patients and their parents or guardians that include reversible puberty blockers and hormone therapies. The laws also ban surgical interventions, which virtually never happen with trans people under the age of 18. The Sixth Circuit oversees state laws in Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, and Tennessee. The three-judge panel decided to consolidate the Kentucky and Tennessee cases. Families with transgender children are plaintiffs in both states, and the Tennessee case also includes a doctor. They are represented by Lambda Legal, the ACLU, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, and private law firms. They're weighing their options, including a review of the ruling by the full bench of the Sixth Circuit. Just about everyone expects the final word on pediatric gender-affirming health care to come from the U.S. Supreme Court. Texas U.S. District Court Judge David Hitner declared on September 26th that the state's law banning sexually oriented performances is an unconstitutional restriction on speech. He forbade state officials from enforcing it. Hitner had temporarily blocked its enforcement a day before it was set to take effect in late August. Critics charged that the measure targeting drag as sexually oriented performance was so vaguely worded that it could outlaw other costumed performances, such as opera, ballet, Broadway musicals, even cheerleading. The owners of venues hosting such shows faced fines of up to $10,000 per violation, and performers could be fined and jailed for up to a year. Hitner reasoned in his ruling that, A survey of court decisions related to the issue of drag shows reveals little divergence from the opinion that drag performances are expressive content that is afforded First Amendment protection, citing recent court decisions blocking drag bans in Tennessee, Florida, and Montana. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick promised an appeal. He claimed in a social media post that the law, which restricts children from being exposed to drag queen performances, is about protecting young children and families. This story is not over. Finally, a southwestern Florida school district has ordered the removal of all books with LGBTQ content or characters from elementary and middle school libraries and classrooms. Officials from the Republican-dominated Charlotte County School District pointed to the state's don't-say-gay laws to justify the purge. They argued that the removal only applies to libraries and media centers, which can sometimes serve as classrooms. Nikki Freed leads the state's Democratic Party, joining a progressive chorus condemning the don't-read-gay action. She wrote that books with LGBTQ plus characters and themes should be celebrated, not shunned, just like LGBTQ plus Floridians should be every day. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude, for the week ending September 30th, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappell, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Elena Botkin-Levy. Stay healthy. And I'm Alan Tihamo. Stay safe.
Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter. Email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank Thank you. you. in a relaxed way in a household about the notion of a child being gay or not, then I think we've succeeded. The conversation starts with an Irish jig later in the program. The latest statistics show that well over half of the LGBTQ community identifies as bisexual, the largest share of the alphabet soup. Bisexuals are more likely to be closeted and suffer from more addiction and mental health issues, but their needs receive much less attention than the other sexual and gender minority groups. Not even that much was understood about the bi community 20 years ago when Scott Friedman took on the task of promoting bi visibility in the music world. This Way Out's J.D. Doyle chatted with the pioneering performer in 2003. Scott Friedman is an openly bisexual recording artist and a bisexual activist. In addition to promoting his third full-length album called Some Company, his national tour includes many colleges where he also gives lectures on biphobia. The talk he gives is called Battling Biphobia, Bringing Bisexuals Back to Both Communities. So it seems perfectly natural that he would be the one to come up with the idea of a compilation album to promote breaking down these barriers. The project is called By the People, a compilation of bisexual artists and friends. It's being released on my own independent label, um, to which up to this point has only done my own material. I'm releasing this project on it called VY Records. It stands for Violent Yodel Records. And um, the project is to benefit compilation. The proceeds are going to the Bisexual Foundation. And the project's purpose is to really create more bi-visibility and um, have artists who are bisexual, as well as artists who are not, actually just show their support and um, the need and necessity or bisexuality education, which often sometimes gets swept under the rug. One of those featured is Jill Sobule, the artist who gave us I Kissed a Girl. She generously contributed this previously unreleased song called Saw a Cop. messages where, um, you know, bisexuals are feeling they have to be closeted because of the stigma of, oh, you know, that means that you just sleep around, or oh, that means that you're having a cop out and you can't really come out. And so what happens then is we have closeted bisexuals in this community just as we have closeted homosexuals in the straight community. This is your own experience, right, Scott? Absolutely. Um, I came out as gay when I was 18, and two years later, came out again because I was still attracted to women, and uh, some of the reactions I got just floored me, such as, well, maybe it's just a phase, and Maybe you can change, maybe you should talk to someone. It just stunned me at the time. So what really gave you the spark for this album project? I think, well, you know, in addition to performing, I lecture at colleges about bisexuality and share my own experience, so which people hopefully will learn something from. And um, I really just want this project to um, have visibility. Because a lot of people say, you know, oh, bisexual is just wavering in the middle. I think one of the biggest things we can do is to show that there are bisexual musicians, singers, actresses out there doing this, not in transition, but who are really bisexual. When did you start working on this? 
And this is a rather quick summer project. I started working on this right in the beginning of June. So I really put this together very quickly. I'm a hard worker. I love getting right down to it. And I started, you know, calling some people, emailing, and really just getting it out there that, you know what, I want this out, and I want this out in the fall. Was it hard to get the artists interested? I think anytime you are asking artists to donate a track, of course, the, you know, the first first question that everyone's mouth is, well, who else is on it? And, you know, it's that whole double-edged sword, well, how do you get someone on it if everyone else wants to know who's going to be on it? And, you know, fortunately, one of the you know, first names that came in was Aaron Hamilton, who's on bisexual, is Carol Manette's daughter, who does dance music. So, you know, you start with one name, and then the artists feel a little bit more comfortable. And as an artist, I understood that. Let's hear one of those artists. From Australia, here's Leia Fisher singing Dick and Jane. Okay, you mentioned Aaron Hamilton, and the album also includes some of our community's favorites, like Melissa Farrick, Rachel Sage, Laura Love, and newcomer Jim Vararos of American Idol. Can you tell us about some of the others? You know, we have judging from the major label artists like Tangy Division, Jill Sabule, Fish and Animal, who are on Righteous Babe Records, you know, Ani DeFranco's label, to um, more of the independent solo singer-songwriter like myself, um, Gregory Douglas, Leah Fisher. I mean, she's a wonderful artist from Australia. We have Tom Robinson from England. So absolutely, I wanted, of course, you know, some you know, great names who would, of course, bring their fan bases, but as well to put out some names that you might not know by the sound of it or might not even know the song, but listen to it and be like, wow, what a song. Now, not all the artists on here are bisexual, are they? No, they're not. We definitely um, have a couple artists who um, do not identify as bisexual who are very supportive of the bi movement. So absolutely. Have there been any people say, well, why isn't this an album of all bisexual artists? I absolutely thought about that. I had over 75 submissions from a lot of bisexual artists and could have. And for me, the whole message I want to promote is that we need more community as opposed to dividing. So to put out a CD where I said, you have to be bisexual to be on the CD, kind of went against the message I was saying, which is bisexuals don't want their own little community. We want to be a part of the queer community. So to, you know, add other people on there who are not bisexual, I thought helped convey that message that the, the whole goal is to be together, not to divide. Do you expect any backlash of any sort from this project? I do. I think any time, I mean, including, you know, gay and lesbian rights, any time that you are speaking up for minority, obviously the more vocal you are, the more you'll have an opposition. So whereas we have these protests today from, you know, the Christian right movement, I um, I tend to take that as a positive sign, well, you know, if it's getting people talking better, getting people upset, then it must be doing something right. I've been chatting with Scott Friedman about the new compilation album he has produced called By the People. And by, of course, is spelled B-I. And to help you find out more, Scott spells his name S-K-O-T-T-F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N. The song you're hearing as we close is The Price You Paid, Scott's own contribution to the album. For This Way Out, I'm J.D. Doyle. Was it worth the price you paid? You sold your soul out just to leave the parade Yeah, you sold your soul Now you got nothing to show Was it worth the love you lost? You 
You may still find a copy or two of Scott Friedman's 2003 release, By the People, if you search online hard enough. In today's parlance, bi is considered an umbrella term for a range of identities, including bisexual, pansexual, omnisexual, fluid, queer, and asexual. There's support for the bi community from organizations like the Bisexual Resource Center, biresource.org. Bi Awareness Week 2003 was observed September 16th through 23rd. Hi, this is Janice Ian, and you're listening to This Way Out. You ain't gonna get this nowhere else. When Brian Kennedy was outed in 2000 by ex-Boyzone star Ronan Keating's Life is a Roller Coaster, the gay Irish singer-songwriter just went along for the ride. His solo career blossomed, and he became a beloved BBC presenter for an Irish music history program, This Way Out's Brisbane correspondent John Frame was one of Kennedy's biggest fans when he got to interview his idol in 2003. As I was going over the Cork and Cary Mountains I met with Captain Farrell And as money he was counting First produced my pistol And then produced my rapier I said, stand and deliver Or the devil he may take you We have the pleasure of chatting with Brian Kennedy from Ireland. Uh, in Tipperary, that's where you're living at the moment? You're speaking to me in County Tipperary and I'm looking out over the hills of Clare and I can see Loch Derg and the trees and it's a beautiful day. You're not only an artist of repute, who's got a number of CDs out that have done extremely well on the Irish uh, top 30. Yeah, But you're also indeed. a man who's comfortable about his sexuality. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, thankfully, hopefully that's one of the things that's changed about Ireland, you know, with, with a, a certain a greater confidence about, you know, our place in the world and so on. There's also now a greater confidence about different kinds of Irish people and what that means. Because when you think about the word Irish, it used to only really mean one thing. Now, thankfully, there are more and more people coming out. That there are more and more discussions about queer Ireland. And, you know... It, it kind of wasn't lost on me that although my sexuality is is actually very private to me, I also realised because I had a certain kind of public awareness is that I had a kind of a responsibility to to not shy away from it and to talk about it because even right now there'll be somebody listening to us who's too terrified to admit what they are and who they are, and maybe if there's if there's somebody like me who already has a career already has an association with an audience. And maybe the parent even of that child is a fan of mine and they have no idea about my private life. And then it becomes clear, obviously, that, you know, I have a whole kind of gay history and so on. Mm. Is that, um, you know, that there's, it, it's kind of normalized even before the conversation starts. And if all I ever do, John, is, is start a conversation in a relaxed way in a household about the notion of a child being gay or not, then I think we've succeeded. Yeah. Well, you had your first 18 years in a fairly tough part of Ireland, too, in Belfast. Mm. Yeah, I grew up on the Falls Road in Belfast, and hopefully some of your listeners may know about that. And sadly, one of the reasons they will is because it was such a 
a war-torn, violent place with a great deal of sadness and, you know, an atrocity. But, I mean, it's, it's beginning to become a different place these days. But certainly you can imagine. Um, I'm sure you can. Because, I mean, everybody's journey to themselves is very different, you know, but equally probably as, you know, as difficult. I mean, pain is relative, you know. So for me growing up and realising early on that, you know, I fancied um, someone of my same sex, it was very difficult because the only, um, you know, the only other examples of same-sex relationship that we had were in abusive contexts. They were never, you know, oh, that's Paddy and Johnny and they've lived at the top of the road for 50 years. You know, it was always some, um, you know, sexually abusing priest or some dirty old man that was a threat to younger people. And there was never any positive, um, let's say that, there weren't role models, you know, there weren't any at all. And to think possibly one of the things that I am in this day and age in that part of Ireland is a positive role model for other gay people is just overwhelming, really. Mm-hmm. I did a programme uh, only two nights ago on, on Network 2 over here and and still you get that king thing where the presenter's kind of nervously saying to me, so Brian, you're actually, you know, you're out now, you're openly gay and you can see the kind of nervousness still and this is a young man that's speaking to me and I'm like, well, yes, of course. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't know now but I think one of the ways in which you can tell we've really changed is that, you know, that something like Riverdance happened where we really introduce a sexuality into such a kind of an, you, you know, an old fashioned quite a straight art form so how do people then respond to you in live performance you tend to do intimate shows do do you have young people coming up to you after a show and saying that they're aware perhaps of your sexuality they've just seen your show yeah i mean what started to happen more more recently and let's say in the last five years when i've become more and more publicly out let's say just by my own behavior by my conversations by the things i write about um that what happens is there's like a lovely there'll be lots of thankfully lots of people queuing to you know get cds signed and so on but then they'll you know you just <clears throat> you know we know each other us gay people you know what i mean mm. there's a different temperature that happens between us um and that kind of thing i think and certainly i'll see you know two good-looking young men who are together and I'll say, who's, who's the CD for? And he goes, um, just put, you know, Mark or something. I'm like, okay, and, and, uh, and shall I put your boyfriend? And I know that that's me taking a, a, a big leap, but I'm thinking, look, this is totally normal. This is absolutely normal. I, I would say that. If a woman was standing there with her husband, I'd say, will I put your husband down as well or will I put your wife down? And so it's, it's, and it, it's lovely because now instead of absolute mortification and embarrassment, you can see that the both men are absolutely delighted. And they say, yes, yes, do put it down. This is our third date or this is our anniversary even. And actually we got together with one of your albums and there's nothing more touching than that. But I wish I could find a handsome boatman to ferry me over to my love and I to ferry me over to my love and Since his 2003 interview with John Frame in Brisbane, Brian Kennedy has survived rectal cancer and quadruple heart bypass surgery with the same tuneful transparency he brought to his coming out. Visit briankennedy.co.uk for news about his latest release, Folky. 
Thanks for discovering This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. News Wrap was reported this week by Alan Tiamo and Elena Botkin-Levy and produced by Brian DeShazer. Our archival correspondents were J.D. Doyle and John Frame. You heard music by Jethro Tull, Jill Sobel, Lee Fisher, Scott Friedman, and Brian Kennedy. Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This Way Out thanks John Beaupre and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors like them make this program possible. Ask us for more information. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts, and on WOZO Knoxville, Tennessee, 2XX Canberra City, Australian Capital Territory, KXSU Seattle, Washington, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.